welcome to The Randy Report. I'm Randy Slavacek, your host. I'm also the writer and editor of therandyreport.com, where you can find me every single day on the internet reporting on the daily news cycle in terms of politics, pop culture, and entertainment news of interest to the LGBTQ community and its allies. In this week's headlines, a gay black woman made history at the White House. We said goodbye to an iconic LGBTQ activist and photojournalist, A far-right TV host went off about a Kellogg cereal honoring Pride Month, and I reviewed the new miniseries Halston on Netflix. All that and more in this episode of The Randy Report. Broward County Public Schools and law enforcement are investigating after cell phone video showed a student at a Deerfield Beach school physically bullying a sixth grader because of her sexuality. Chad Sanford, 13 years old, identifies as a transgender teen. She says verbal bullying has been happening all year long at Deerfield Beach Middle School. But last week, the bullying escalated into a physical attack. The cell phone video begins just before the student bully comes up behind Sanford, picks her up, and slams her on the ground in the hallway. Meanwhile, a group of students are standing around, yelling, but no one did anything to help as Sanford struggles to get up from the ground. Sanford told NBC Miami the bully had threatened her prior to the incident, calling her a gay faggot and adding that he was going to knock the gay out of her. The 13-year-old said she doesn't understand why growing up LGBTQ should be so hard. She added, just leave me alone, I don't want to be bothered. Broward County Public Schools issued a statement about the incident, saying, quote, the school's leadership is taking this incident seriously and is working with law enforcement in its investigation. Any students involved will face appropriate school disciplinary consequences in accordance with the Codebook for Student Conduct. End quote. The Broward Sheriff's Office said they're investigating along with BCPS. However, over a week after the incident, no disciplinary action has yet been taken. Orlando Gonzalez, the director of SAVE, South Florida's leading LGBTQ rights group, told NBC Miami that trans kids and gay kids are the most likely to be bullied and attacked, adding, quote, the attacks on them have really increased over the last couple of years, end quote. President Joe Biden's campaign promise of a diverse White House staff was highlighted on May 26th when Deputy Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre made history by becoming the first openly gay woman to deliver a White House press briefing. In addition, she also became the first black woman to deliver a briefing in more than 30 years. Judy Smith was first in 1991. In her opening remarks, Jean-Pierre said it's a real honor to be standing here today. Clearly, the president believes that representation matters, and I appreciate him giving me this opportunity. Here's more of her comments via the WhiteHouse.gov live stream. Just lastly, a bit of a personal question. Um, Your presence here today is making history. Uh, You are the first black woman to stand behind that podium, speaking on behalf of the president in 30 years. Just wondering if you could share your reflections with us. 
Well, uh, thank you for the question. Um, you know, it's it's a real honor to be standing uh, to just be standing here today. It, it doesn't, um, it, you know, it, it, the I appreciate the historic nature. I really do, uh, but I I believe that uh, you know being behind being behind this podium, uh, being in this room, uh, being in this building is not about one person. It's about you know what we do on behalf of the American people. Clearly, the president believes in, in representation matters, um, and I appreciate him giving me this opportunity. Uh, and it's, a, it's another reason why I think we are all so proud that this is the most diverse administration in history. But again, this is not about me. This is not about any of us. And I, you know, anytime I'm behind here, and I think you've heard Jen say this as well, uh, we are going to be truthful. Uh, we're going to we we're going to be transparent, uh, and that's the way I believe the president would want us to communicate to the American. American people. Thank you for the question. Karine Jean-Pierre, 43 years old, was born in Haiti and has a long history of working within the Democratic Party. During the 2020 campaign, Jean-Pierre was now Vice President Kamala Harris's chief of staff. She previously worked on both of Barack Obama's presidential campaigns and ultimately served as National Deputy Battleground States Director for the 2012 campaign. In between, she worked in the Obama administration, serving as the White House liaison to the Labor Department, and later as regional director in the White House Office of Political Affairs. Many of you may recall that during the 2020 campaign, Jean-Pierre nabbed headlines when she physically restrained a deranged animal rights activist who tried to attack Kamala Harris during a MoveOn.org debate. Political watchers note that Jean-Pierre is currently on a short list to possibly replace White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki, who has announced that she will be leaving the White House next year. Kay Tobin Lahuzen, a prominent LGBTQ activist whose photographs documented the gay rights movement's earliest days and depicted lesbians who were out when they were virtually absent from popular culture, died this week. She was 91 years old. Lahuzen and her longtime partner, Barbara Giddings, were at the forefront of the lesbian rights movement determined to make whom they loved a source of pride rather than shame. Well before the Stonewall Uprising in 1969, they became outspoken about their sexuality and their demands for equality at a time when queer people were not so vocal. They were also active in producing the latter, a newsletter that was the first nationally distributed lesbian journal in the United States. Ms. Giddings was the latter's editor, and Ms. Lahuzen became an important contributor, writing under the surname Tobin, which she picked out of the phone book because it seemed easy to pronounce, unlike Lahuzen. As a photojournalist, she captured and preserved many of the earliest gay rights protests, providing important documentation of a period when many gay activists chose to remain in the closet. In 2019, she told the New York Times, quote, Occasionally, somebody would bring a camera to a picket, but I was the only one who went at it in a sustained way, end quote. In a 1993 interview with OutHistory.org, Ms. Lahuzen said her goal had been taking our minority out from under wraps and what you might call the normalization of gay. As the 1960s wore on, the activist power couple came to believe that the approach taken by others in the queer rights movement was too conciliatory and too focused on gaining respectability than fighting for equal rights. 
Ms. Lehusen's photographs offer a rare visual record of the gay rights movement's earliest days, and many of them are now in the New York Public Library's archive and were a major part of the 2019 exhibition Love and Resistance, Stonewall 50, which celebrated the 50th anniversary of the uprising. Rest in power, Ms. Lehusen. Also this week, Jeffrey Sanker, the producer behind several long-running gay circuit parties, died at the age of 65 after a lengthy battle with liver cancer. According to the Washington Blade, Sanker built his company and reputation on hosting large-scale parties in exotic places, including Puerto Vallarta in Mexico, Las Vegas, Nevada, and Miami, Florida, although his trademark extravaganza, White Party Palm Springs, had evolved into the nation's largest gay dance music festival, attracting more than 30,000 attendees from around the world. Former West Hollywood City Council member John Duran told the Washington Blade his longtime friend was, quote, an iconic figure in gay history with his creation of the White Party. For many gay men, he created a space for them to find their tribe and sexuality. While he had his critics, he loved his gay community and left a lasting mark. So many of us found a place to belong because of his vision, end quote. Throughout the years, Sanker not only presented entertainment superstars like Lady Gaga, but also featured top-shelf DJs and producers like Dave Auday, Junior Vasquez, Victor Calderon, Manny Lehman, and Tony Moran at his events. While I've never really been a circuit party kind of guy, I can respect that along with creating a place for gays to celebrate themselves in their own space— Many of his events often benefited local organizations and charities, including the Trevor Project, Gay and Lesbian Elder Housing, and the Desert AIDS Project. As we head into Pride Month, many on the far right can't wait to mock the support the LGBTQ community receives from corporations. Enter Newsmax host Grant Stinchfield, who declared war on cereal this week, ranting about a special edition cereal by Kellogg's called Together with Pride. The cereal, a mix of rainbow cereal bites and glitter, will be available in stores in June in honor of Pride Month. The Kellogg's mascot characters like Toucan Sam and Tony the Tiger are featured on the cover. Stinchfield went off about how Kellogg's had come out with a woke cereal. Said the Newsmax host, quote, the cereal is rainbow hearts covered in edible glitter. How nice. Give me a break. Here's the worst part, he added. The cereal slogan, too amazing to put into a box, and then lists a space for kids to write in their own pronouns. Seriously? Whatever happened to box tops on cereal boxes? Now you have pronoun spaces? End quote. Stinchfield then shifted his attack in what seemed like an attempt to out... Longtime breakfast character Lucky the Leprechaun, saying Kellogg's is a little late to the woke game. He went on to say, quote, I think General Mills has a gay leprechaun, right? My producer Carly asked me, is the leprechaun really gay? I said, I don't know. Maybe. He wears high-heeled shoes, prances around in tights, leads me to believe probably that little Lucky Charm leprechaun might be gay. End quote. He ended the odd rant by advising parents to switch their kids to granola because there's nothing like forcing our kids to be confused about their gender first thing in the morning with their breakfast. Well, first, folks, I don't think kids are going to be confused about their gender because of a breakfast cereal. 
Second, I don't know if Lucky is gay. We've never dated. But if he is, good for him. For those who may not know, Newsmax has a long history of promoting conspiracy theories around the 2020 election and the COVID-19 pandemic, as well as verifiably false news stories. Remember, this is the same outlet that got mad at Marvel Comics for announcing a gay Captain America for Pride Month instead of one based on Donald Trump. I kid you not. What to watch this week? I highly recommend the new Netflix miniseries, Halston, which chronicles the life of the first American designer to break in the world of international fashion. Halston became a household name in the 1970s for his mod and edgy designs, as well as the use of celebrity models like close friend Liza Minnelli in his runway shows. He was also a regular at Studio 54 in New York City. But by the mid-1980s, Halston would lose his fashion empire and the use of his name. Ewan McGregor portrays Halston as a volatile genius who privately faces his own shame. While many have been vocal about a straight actor playing the gay role, I feel his performance ranks among his best. And Krista Rodriguez, who you may remember from the NBC series Smash, brings the larger-than-life Liza Minnelli to the screen with layers of humanity, even while channeling some of her most famous musical moments. Created by out-producer Ryan Murphy, the series takes a deep dive into how Halston's internalized homophobia contributed to his hot temper, self-loathing, and complicated personal life. The series is just five episodes, so it's not a huge commitment in time to take it in, and it moves along at a good pace without feeling disjointed or forced. Loaded with excellent performances, lots of 1970s and 80s style, plus a good helping of LGBTQ history, it's perfect for binge-watching, especially during Pride Month. You can find Halston, available now on Netflix. And that brings me to the end of this episode of The Randy Report. If you enjoy catching up on LGBTQ news in a quick podcast, I'd appreciate it if you would share it with your friends. I like to think of the Randy Report as the 60 minutes of gay news, only shorter. And on a personal note, I want to add that I got a surprise email this week from Welp Magazine, which named this podcast, The Randy Report, one of the top 20 entertainment podcasts to listen to in 2021. I was honored to be included on a list that put me alongside such powerhouse podcasts as the Entertainment Tonight podcast, thanks to Welp Magazine. And remember, you can find me every single day on the internet at therandyreport.com, where I cover the daily news cycle regarding politics, pop culture, and entertainment news of interest to the LGBTQ community and its allies. Thanks for listening, folks. Take care of yourselves, and I'll see you next time.